0: Today's conversation is with John Thor, and this is the Talented Human Podcast.
1: Gary Vee tweeted on Twitter saying, Hey, I really need help with YouTube. Please email. They ended up offering me a job to work as a YouTube analyst on Team Gary are in control of you. What you learn really is not up. to you. Focusing on reflection for the past couple of years, it's really incredible because you're able to see that marks in I your own. I didn't know what you wanted, though. For me, I was going to get out because I was just very the past right now is because I was watching. I don't need the
0: right anymore. I totally need that. Like are you I interested that. in it? Are you passionate about
1: it? Are you excited about it? Have you explored yourself enough? Is entrepreneurship something
0: you're cut out for? Today we are talking to John Thor, the real life Thor. He is actually from Iceland. He is a corporate punk and creative nerd, co-founder of Zeissiki, and among other things, he has given some, you know, amazing tech talks. Um, He is also a really cool dude. Um, uh, That you know, I came to to meet through the podcast and through finding guests for this season. And I'm really, really excited to, to dive into, you know, a little bit of a business conversation um, and what it takes to, you know, to grow a business, to develop, you know, our talent as an entrepreneur and also, you know, taking good care of ourselves mentally and making sure that we are, you know, kicking ass and, you know, being the force of business. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Welcome to the show, uh, John.
1: Thanks so much, man. And thanks for the introduction. Really happy to be here and looking forward to talking about this because really, to be honest, I'd say my interest in mental health and taking care of yourself and people around you really predates my interest in business. So it's always been a natural part of how I'd be likely to do it. So anytime I get a chance to really talk about it and dive into it, it is a good, uh, good opportunity for me to take, I think.
0: Yeah, it's the same for me. I, I I've said this in the past and I say it again. Um for me, um <clears throat> mental health has always been um you know a, an important issue. And and it wasn't until you know I, I got to to experience it and see it first firsthand, see someone, you know, deal with this and and, and the effect that that it can necessarily have on not only the person afflicted by it, but the persons or I mean, the people that the that are around the person, you know, um with with mental health issues. And you know, it can be something as easy as as um as anxiety and stress. Yeah. And we can be talking about Alzheimer's, which is how I first came about um understanding, you know, this stuff. Like um I don't know how happy he'll be that I'm talking a lot about this, but my uncle, my uncle's, um, my uncle's mom suffered from from Alzheimer's, and and uh, to me it was such a such a sad thing to see someone with great memories of her family, her children um, from from so long ago, but not be able to recognize them in person at the moment in the in the present and. I saw how my uncle suffered with with this, um, with this affliction that she had, but it affected him emotionally and mentally. Like he couldn't, you know, he wouldn't visit his mom because it was too painful for him. And 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 people say, well, that's selfish. Uh, he should have made an effort uh, because, you know, you got to put them first, but at the same time, you know, we also have to put ourselves first. And, and I always kind of like agree that, you know, even though he was, you know, somewhat selfish. Um, I think it was needed because I don't know how good it would have been for him to, to actually put himself through that stress.
1: Yeah, and I think not, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it selfish. I'd call it symptomatic of uh, problems in the support network that we've got. You know, if, um, if you look at countries that have excellent health care and excellent support systems, Usually, if a family member is diagnosed with a terminal illness or something quite serious, something difficult, um, there's going to be a system around it where it helps um, family members, spouses, children with some sort of, whether it's you know something as simple as therapy or just even having the vocabulary to describe how they're feeling. Because what I've seen through people, especially of my parents generation but as well around my age as well i've seen so many people that may have struggled with a variety of mental health issues and difficulties throughout their lives but no one's really ever armed them with the words to truly express it so people have all these uh anxieties and worries and feelings that They've never heard anyone talk about, so if they're asked how they're feeling or why they're feeling bad, there might not be something that specific that they can nail down, but they've got this feeling, they can't get rid of it, and they can't even talk about it to get some help for it. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely um, agree with you because I... So here's the thing. I personally think anxiety and stress are the the most dangerous ones, because they're kind of like silent killers. Mm. If you think about it, like we get stressed out daily, basically. Um, And I I pride myself on saying that I basically live a stress-free life because I've kind of learned to take things as they come. And, you know, I know when stress is, you know, and, and worry is granted. And when you just have to get things you know to to run their course and and then you know you kind of deal and see what happens, but with that being said i I do think that you know we as as people we 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 feel stress we feel anxiety fairly you know um you know commonly you know we see this all the time and and the accumulation of moments of stress of anxiety can become even worse and worse as we go to the point where we kind of lose control and that can lead to something even worse than than just you know oh well i'm I'm, you know i'm an anxious person or i'm you know i'm stress prone no now you you know Mm -hmm. your brain is weaker your your ability to to keep your decision making and to and, and you know, we see it in, you know, people in business. We see it in relationships. You know, I think that if you're in a relationship and someone is, you know, suffering from anxiety, you know, it's the reason why the relationship might fail. Because if the other person doesn't know how to give the help that the other person needs and just offers the support that they think they need, instead of taking a stronger stance and saying, no, well, we need to get you to a place where this can be manageable. Um, Those things, you know, deteriorate thing. And the same thing can happen in business. You know, if you're dealing with a business partner or even yourself to the point where like, you know, things get you riled up really fast, eventually you don't make the right decisions for your business and, you know, can lead to failure or making a mistake that can be costly.
1: For sure. And I think... On top of that, you know, one thing that I feel is not talked about as much as simply the feelings around it and um, even in the, I guess, awakening that's currently going on with a lot more people speaking out about these issues is that so many of the problems that we either associate or don't even with um, anxiety and depression are the coping mechanisms that we learn along the way um so for example i see a lot of problems around addiction being connected to people having unhealthy coping mechanisms so to your point you know you're starting a business you can't deal with the stress of it but it's not just the stress it's anxiety it's this it's that and if you've never learned how to deal with those uh, feelings properly how to express them how to compartmentalize them If the only way you've learned to deal with them is through drinking something, smoking something, whatever that may be, if you've never learned a different way, that's going to be the way you deal with it until you learn another way. And sadly, I think in so many different countries around the world, especially drinking has become so socially acceptable as a day-to-day behavior that... Often people don't see the problem until it's way too late. People are already drinking every day. They get to a point where, you know, they, I've seen people that just because they show up for work, just because they make it through an eight hour day at an office or something, even if they're coming in incredibly hungover, even if they're having, you know, a beer with their lunch. People see them and go, oh, you know, that's fine. They might drink a little bit, but, you know, they're fun. They're this, they're that. And people just miss all of the telltale signs of someone just not coping at all. And whether it is addiction or something else, so many people just have those incredibly unhealthy coping mechanisms. And it's something that I think we need to start talking to people at a much younger age. Um, And I don't necessarily mean sitting down with like a group of six-year-olds and going, this is alcoholism, (laughs) keep an eye out. (laughs) Um, But more so starting it on a positive note younger, you know, talking about how you can express certain feelings. uh, What are some healthy examples of coping mechanisms? Because like for me, I always say that I'll never tell anyone what their coping mechanism is. I can only tell them how I deal with things. But I've got a load of different things where I've been working at um, since I was you know a kid or a teenager of when I feel this way, what do I do and um, largely, I found my you know healthier ways of coping through music, both playing it, writing it, listening to it, and often it was even if I struggled with the feeling it was even listening to music not to get away from it to but to almost give myself the space to feel it within a certain span of time to almost almost indulge in it but in a very specific way and for me that works really well but I've also worked through a lot of it with a therapist realizing which part of it you know never really worked and which part of it was almost damaging to a point yeah but most people don't really go through that process
0: yeah, no, I agree i mean i i used to I used to drink a lot more than I do now um, and i I don't know honestly, I can't tell you why um i mean i um in my houses you know I always say you know there might not be milk, but there will always be a bottle of wine and a couple of beers and um the um that was the uh you know that i mean we we had a, a, a dedicated fridge for beer
1: mm.
0: you know and and we always had it because you know if family came over and if friends came over and you were hosting something you know you always had something and people you know mm. came and enjoyed it one thing i never i mean I, I did it younger um getting drunk i think this is the uh this is one area I don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying one beer you know with your friends on a Friday night I don't even think there's anything wrong with you know having one beer with your lunch you know I think having a beer with your lunch better than having a coke with your lunch I Hmm. 100% agree to that because well coke is really bad and while beer is bad it's not as bad as, (laughs) as coke so um if, um, and like all these sugary drinks and stuff like that, so I I either have water or maybe have a glass of wine with my food, but other than that, I don't drink any other stuff. But I, I've i come to realize that you know, I you know, when I was living in New York and you know, I always had drinks, and New York is a drinking town, it's mm-hmm. um, you know, it's really. It's really easy to say, "Well, yeah, today I have three beers." Very easy to do. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get drunk or that you're going to be acting a fool and and just like being in a state of mind that is not the right state of mind. And but I do think that society makes and you know like culturally and and in social media and all these other things they make getting drunk, even music, being drunk, partying, like doing all this stuff acceptable. So yeah, to the impressionable young mind, when they start drinking, their thought is, "Oh, I have to get drunk to have a good time." Yeah. And that's not true. And you know, if you're a young person, um, you know, and, and that nowadays we see them you know 15, 16 year old entrepreneurs. And we see twenty-year-olds entrepreneurs, and you know, in some parts of Europe, you know, at sixteen you can start having beer. So, yeah. um, if you're a sixteen-year-old entrepreneur that can go out and have a beer with your friends, and you think that because culturally music makes it or you know uh, pop culture makes it acceptable to get drunk all the time, and you go out and all you do is get drunk, then that's going to have. Uh, you know a, a, a really bad effect on, on how you do your business and how you grow and and eventually like our the our brain is at 16 it's not fully developed and no. um we're still dealing with what i call the most fucked up time of our lives yeah because we are so chemically imbalanced you know i i think I think in in this regard, and and I might be completely wrong, and people might say, you know, I'm I'm, I'm an ass for saying this, but I think in in, in some in some states, girls have it a little bit better because they have their their menstrual cycles, and this is kind of kind of a hormonal release um, that they go through, and and it kind of may balance things, and and I think this is why girls, you know, when they're teenagers, are a little bit more center and and focused and and, and level headed than boys are boys are you know a fourteen year old kid 15 year old boy sixteen year old boy you know they're out there acting a fool and they're like you know you you were one, I was one we we do things differently, we see danger with like um and risk with you know as, a, as an adrenaline boost and and you know we might do things that you know the girls might not do and 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 you know the there's, I think there's the reason why there's the saying you know boys will be boys and but I actually think that you know when we're at that stage in our lives, whether you're a man or, or a woman, um, we are so vulnerable to these things, whether it's alcohol drugs and and the effect that this can have on not only on us mentally but you know completely on a physical level, I think it's something that we need to. Kind of like educate kids better and 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 let pop culture know that it's not acceptable to to glorify these things
1: but I, I think it's also it's not even just pop culture and i think to your point on uh whether uh boys will be boys or whether girls have it better like i think largely that's again a societal thing i think yeah um It comes down to not only where where you grow up, but what your group of friends is like, what you are, what your predisposition is, what your family is. And it kind of comes down to those both values and habits that you have, because I can say when I was, you know, 14, 15, I I would be hard pressed to call myself a risk taker or in any way, like I've, um, I've always been a bit of an anxious person, but there was a point in my life where that anxiety turned, I guess where it kind of turned on its head because um I think I used to play it a lot safer than I then started doing around sort of I guess maybe from 16 onwards. But I remember like my early teens, so sort of 13, 14, 15, I was I won't say I was shy and reserved. I've I've never really been that, but um I think my my fear of failing got sort of replaced with a fear of never doing anything significant. Okay. So my fear went from keeping me from doing things to pushing me to doing things. And ever since then, it's, it's not been, Oh, what if this fails? It's more like, regardless of what happens, will this be a good story? And I, um, it it's usually an odd thing for people to hear, but I kind of trace it back to a '90s film called *Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion*.
0: Brilliant film.
1: Um, great film. I I I I really enjoy Brilliant it. Brilliant like, film. Yeah.
0: It's like um, it's like one of those chick flicks that is it's absolutely just well done. It's like a legally oh, blonde. yeah. yeah like
1: film. I absolutely love it, and I've I've rewatched it like since then. But I remember seeing it as a kid. And I remember enjoying it, finding it funny and everything. But I also remember seeing, you know, these characters go through that moment of, you know, shit, we've been out of high school 10 years and we've basically done nothing. Like, where did the time go? And they, you know, go to their high school reunion thinking, fuck, we need to lie to people. We need to tell them we've done something cool. And I remember enjoying the film, but. More so what stuck in my head was I never want to be in that position. I don't want to, like, meet friends and hear about all the amazing things they've got going on in their lives and then go, yeah, I kind of just got stuck. Yeah. So even though I'll never say that my life revolves around impressing people I went to high school with, there's this, like, fictional version in my head of a high school reunion that goes on when I make a decision that, like, Not 100% of the decision is made this way, but there's a bit of it that's like, would this be cool to talk about at a high school reunion? Like, I didn't even go to my last one, but like, if I, if I would have, I think I would have had some good stories to tell. And like, there's been some moments in my life, like when, um, when I moved to Miami to work out there, I was like, this would definitely be a good high school reunion story or like, um you know, going and participating in an art festival or uh, working on an indie video game, which is something I'm working on right now, sort of alongside everything else. I'm writing a script for an indie role-playing game. And I'm like, yep, yeah, definitely a cool thing to talk about at a high school reunion. But it's not the reason I'm doing it. But yeah. it's it's almost like, um, it's like I said, yeah, it's taking that fear of insignificance, fear of Never really doing anything cool, but changing it from a crippling fear to a driving one.
0: Yeah, no, that and that's absolutely like I I can relate to that because I also was a little bit quiet and shy. Um, uh, you know, not like again. I'm not gonna say I was like in, you know fully introverted and and. And not you know personal because I was actually a very personable person mm. growing up but at the same time I was very reserved as to the people that I was around and 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 with who I might have acted a fool with you know mm, in that yeah so like you know it's it, almost like a split personality like in school I was like this kid that you know I wasn't like the perfect student but I ran a few clubs I I um yeah I held the you know I I even gave my uh, my graduation speech. Um, Yeah, and you know I was president of the science club, um, the the committee to 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 run all events in the school, and and I was you know fairly well known um, in my school, but my group of friends was you know airtight, you know five people max that. And then, you know, but when we were out and, you know, we were out riding our bikes or going around town, we will do, you know, some stupid stuff like, you know, putting milk in someone's gas tank just to see what will happen and documenting it. And like, like probably like the one of the few first forms (laughs) of like uh, (laughs) vlogging and uh, we used the, like a handy cam. (laughs) And uh, and we like literally sat for hours waiting to see what would happen when they turn on their car. <laughs> but that, you know, I think that that's not something that, you know, most kids will do. But no. I, I, but if I, if I'm, you know, in a sexist way, I just only see boys doing something like that. Mm. <laughs> like I honestly can't see, you know, a group of five six girls saying, "Oh, I wonder what would happen if you put, you know, milk in someone's gas tank." Like. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but, um, but yeah, I, I feel like in that, and, and, and it goes to, you know, that, the old, old school society is saying that, um, you know, girls are more, more mature than boys are. And, and there is some validity to that psychologically speaking, but mm. the, uh, I feel like when we are young, we're, you know, our minds are so impressionable. So we have to be very careful regardless of who that young person is. We, we as, the, as people, we need to understand that first of all, there's a ton of value in those minds. There's a ton of knowledge that, you know, we sometimes discount because, well, they're young. And, and then second of all, we need to be careful what we do and how we treat it because it's fragile and it's vulnerable. And, it, and we just, you know, it has so much potential you know, it's like a child. Like if you if you yeah. if you if you if you get your your, your baby your you know who's learning to talk and you speak to your baby in five languages, chances are is that your kid is gonna grow up learning five languages. And by yep. the time they're a teenager, they're gonna be fluent in all five. Because their brain is absorbing it's a, So if we teach if and if we give you know this young minds that are still developing, this brains that are um you know growing the wrong kind of information. And we don't tell them that, you know, taking care of your mind is important. And that's, uh, you know, and and how to deal with the stress and anxiety, because it's a stressful time being a teenager. Yeah. Fucking hell.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because like, your entire being revolves around being around an incredible amount of people going through the same thing you are and being usually very judgmental while going through that period like no teenager wants to be judged yet they uh they externalize oh. it a lot
0: <laughs> <laughs> like i always say you don't want to be on the judging end of of a of the teenager cuz they are ruthless yeah
1: yeah and it it becomes kind of a kind of a dual situation you know you don't want to fire first, but you definitely don't want to be the last one to fire so uh it becomes somewhere between the wild west and mutually assured destruction
0: yeah since we're in this topic um there's uh, so i as you know or i'm not sure if you know but i i i run a branding company and um uh, i help you know companies build their brands and um, lately, I've been trying to understand market, um, you know, behavior through yeah. TikTok uh, because I think it's a very important app to to follow because well, trends Absolutely. are there and uh, like I even see Mercedes-Benz doing some crazy stuff and they're like putting like little challenges out there with people, mm. uh, which is I think is brilliant from a marketing perspective, from a branding perspective, to stay relevant. But I also see. Um, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly from the app. And one of the things in the bad and the ugly is the, um, you know, all these young kids that are obsessed with this virality of getting, you know, famous on TikTok. And, you know, I say TikTok is like a bunch of like funny videos and boys with no shirts. And...
1: Yeah, I I throw um, cringy lip syncing in there, if uh, although that might make me sound sound older than I am. But like I don't know, for for me, I find TikTok quite interesting because on one hand, it's basically just a logical continuation of Vine. Yes. Um, but in another way, it's it's kind of like if Vine is Facebook, then no, sorry, if uh, TikTok is Facebook, then Vine was MySpace. <laughs> TikTok is just so much bigger. Yeah. Like, I think you, it's, you know,
0: I think it's a super fun place to be. Yeah.
1: No, it's it's, uh, it's it's really interesting and fun, but it's um it's something that I'm really I'm really intrigued to see where it goes because yeah, like Vine burned brightly, but it burned out very quickly. Um but one thing that didn't have that TikTok has is a just the sheer amount of users but also like you pointed out it's got that corporate presence which drives money into the platform which drives a different kind of um, a different kind of interaction and I've seen so many people for example on LinkedIn say that you know their next marketing move is moving to TikTok and I'll admit I'm, I'm one of the people looking at TikTok for that but I have a feeling that 60% 60% of the people on LinkedIn saying they're going there saw a video of Gary Vaynerchuk saying, you should be on TikTok. And they went, yes, Gary, I will.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I might consider myself a little bit of a um, guilty party on that same, you know, because I do believe that what Gary's saying on TikTok is, and, and, when the, and the area where I agree with him is, it doesn't matter how you use it if you can understand the market value that there is in there for your business, yeah. great. But if you are someone building your brand, it might just make sense to do it just for the fun and heck of it because guess what? Oh, yeah. The damage that you do there, like Gary says, will have value even after TikTok is done. Is done. And he talks about all the social medias oh, yeah. where he, you know, involved himself in in, in that space. Okay, I, I agree with him, but I, I think that you know, from a, from a business perspective, there are other things that, that I feel like Gary has not even thought of yet that can help. Um, yeah. and one, thing that, one thing that I see is like, for example, everything in, in branding today has to move, you know? So, yeah. you know, when we're building brands and we're building gra- uh, guidelines for clients, you know, we, we just don't think of, you know, cool, you know still graphics we think of animations and we think of and i think for brands tiktok is a good place to you know put out some branding that could you know you know have some cool animations and you work with a you know um, a motion designer to create some really cool things that you can then present on tiktok because tiktok has the platform first of all the music and the vertical format short video to create some really cool stuff um that instagram and uh, Snapchat don't really offer you in, in, in at the same high level like you said, you know, the Facebook level that it yeah. took in half. So I think those are those are areas where, you know, from a marketing perspective, from a branding perspective, people can can see, I think, um in, in this platform. But I okay. but my worry here with the uh, with the platform and you know when we talk about young people that might be, you know, saying, okay, well, TikTok is a good place to to grow uh, my presence and, and make myself a little bit more well known, that so we have to be careful as to, you know, who's watching you, what we're doing, and how we're doing it on the platform because it opens up a door to, to more judgment, to more things that can actually be detrimental to how we do things, especially for that impressionable mind.
1: Yeah, and I think you know to your point, it's um, well. I kind of have a couple of different uh, thoughts on that, but. If I sort of start with the simplest one, it's uh, the the branding and, you know, going on TikTok. And like you said, it's sort of what you do there counts no matter what. And I think it's, it's one of those things where I think the most impactful thing on myself personally that I ever heard Gary Vaynerchuk say was just when he said, look, if you're competing with someone and you're creating content and they're not, unless you're working on a purely local basis, you're, you're going to win because you're getting out there, your your face is showing up. And like recently I was um, speaking to someone who offered me a public speaking gig that I'm doing in uh, just over a week. And when I first spoke to them, I said, oh, you know, thanks so much for keeping me in mind. And the guy replied, oh, um, I couldn't really help it because you're the first face I see every time I open LinkedIn. And I was like, well, okay, posting videos of myself every day sure has worked. <laughs> Um, But I think to your point on sort of um, people seeing it as that quest for virality, um, I see it as basically the 21st century equivalent of wanting to be a rock star. And both sides have elements to it that just aren't called out enough. And I remember seeing um, probably about two years ago this article that was Um, An interview with a couple of YouTubers who built massive followings only to go through burnout and leave their, you know, millions and millions of subscribers behind. And the comment section on it was filled with people who had never thought about the immense amount of work that goes into maintaining a YouTube following. And pointing out that, you know, you could have hundreds of thousands of followers and yet not make enough money to pay someone else to edit your videos. So you might be making videos every single day, recording them, planning them, editing them, making a thumbnail, you know, putting in music, doing this and that, trying to deal with sponsors while mm. still maintaining a full-time job alongside it. You know, it's no joke. It's a massive yeah. hustle yeah, and is. grind. And the, the reaction that I saw from people kind of reminded me of uh, the moment I decided I wouldn't pursue music as a career, which actually came from... A similar source is this um, is this article, except it was it was a documentary by uh, the vocalist of a band called Car Bomb. Uh, his name is Michael Daffern. He's from New York, actually, and um, he basically just made a documentary about his own band and why they do what they do, despite at that time you know, they were struggling to make ends meet if they went on tour. They basically, they'd go on tour, play to half empty venues and then come back owing more money than they had before they went on tour. And the whole thing was such an eye-opener for me as, you know, I I was probably about 17, 18 when the the documentary came out, uh, if I remember correctly. And I remember seeing it, maybe I was a little bit older, but that's not the important part of the story. Um, But I remember when I saw it, I I was in a band at the time and we'd all sort of fantasized about this idea of going on the road and touring and all this. And then I just see this really stark reality of what it's like to be a band that hasn't made it. And being in a band that, stylistically speaking, is very unlikely to make it to the point where you don't need a side job or you don't need to come back off tour and find something to do. And for, I started reading up a lot more and I started seeing more and more people in bands that I really loved and respected who basically went, yeah, you know, we're living off of like five bucks a day. We're eating gas station food. And then we come back and we just try to find a job at like Best Buy or guitar center or something that we can then leave when we go on in the next tour and all these bands breaking up, not because they didn't want to make music, but because they're hitting a point in their lives where they're like, shit, I'm like 35. I never, never finished college. And now I kind of want to find out what I want to do after I finish this grindcore band. Like, and I'm not at all disrespecting anyone that didn't finish college, by the way, I'm a university dropout and everything. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, I suddenly saw a, a life that I wasn't excited about. And even though I've never really lusted for fame, I I always envisioned like the whole touring life differently. And I think it's the same now for people looking at YouTubers and being like, man, I really want to be a famous YouTuber. Whereas I think a lot of the people posting content every single day barely leave the house until they've got millions and millions of subscribers. And like I said, can actually afford to have like a little bit of a crew around them.
0: Yeah, no, it, it, it's absolutely true. I, um, I, you know, traveling around the U.S. Uh, for some time, I got to, you know, got to go to many bars and I got to see some amazing musicians, some amazing bands, Um and and yeah, and and, and had conversations about what you were just talking about, and yeah, and it's true. Like uh, it's the same thing with with these platforms, and and I think it's. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting. I think the uh, the part where, where, I think, and I and I and and, and it's the area where I kind of like love your background because you seem to have like you know like be with you know like many different things, and uh, um. I, you know, I I went to school for medicine. I worked in finance and photography was always my passion. And then I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll I'll make it as a photographer. And and then I realized that trying to make, you know, photography be my job didn't give me any pleasure because Mm. it took away from my creativity when you don't have the, you know, and and, and not all of us can be the traveling Instagrammer that that you know brands are just throwing money at you know to make photos and um but this opened you know open up other doors and got me to where I am today and and it's uh, I mean I still travel and I still take photos I just don't sell them for money. <laughs> yeah. And then uh but you know I do you know work with people and, and, and it and it, it helps me feel my creativity. Um how did you you know from a from a perspective of you know making that decision of saying, "Okay, well, I'm not gonna make music, you know I love music you know, I personally yeah, but I'm, you know it's not a regret, but it's the one thing I wish I had was musical talent mm. because my life has zero meaning without music mm. like people hate it when I sing around them, but I can't <sighs> help it I just I, I I love music. I love the uh, you know the way it makes me feel. Makes makes me perform as a you know as an artist, as a as a creator, as a writer, um, even as a business person. Like just there's so much. I, I put so much value in, in the world of music. So when I see someone that can that has to say, okay, well I can't. I I won't make music my career. I yeah. wonder how that you know because I to me that would be devastating. Like I I don't know like.
1: Well, I think um for me I think it was a necessity to to go through that because um it was it was a painful thing like I remember the day I watched that documentary so well because it was just this sudden realization that what I'd dreamt of wasn't actually what I thought it was. Um, but in the long run, I think it was a good thing because look, I still play music. I still write music. Music is still like one of the most important factors in my life. And, you know, I used to run a music blog. I used to write about music for others. I've, um, I've done a lot of music related stuff in my life, but I think taking that step back and going, this isn't what I want to do for a career made me value it in a different way no longer was music something that I would think of as something that I need to do to pay the bills or something. It's something I need to do for me. And like when I'm working from home or something, if I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed, anxious, or unable to focus, the best thing I can do is disconnect from work for even if it's only like five to 10 minutes and just grab an instrument, play for a bit. And afterwards, I feel like I've meditated or I'm like centered and focused and I can really get back into it. And I think realizing in a more direct and comprehensive way that not everything you do needs to bring money in, not everything you do needs to be valued that way. Um, is something more artists need to realize. Like I've heard so many people say, well, you know, if I'm not going to do, this or that with it or if I'm not going to make music with it no money with it sorry if I'm not going to be famous if I'm not going to make it my career why even spend time on it why spend money on it why go to school for it but like for me I I've never tried stepping away from music but I've had periods where you know I've gotten really busy and I've kind of gone, okay, I'll I'll focus on something else. I'll like put it to the side. But if I don't play or, you know, listen to something new or do something like really music related for a short period of time, I just feel myself missing it. Like when I moved to the US, I didn't take my guitar with me. I left it in the UK in my apartment there. Um and a few like maybe a week in, I just felt this need to play and I I got like kind of frustrated. So Like that weekend, I was like, okay, no, I I need to do something, went to like a music shop and probably spent like two hours there just playing different instruments because I just I needed to get that out. And that's something that can never be replaced by any amount of money. And I've seen to your point the effect that it can have on someone's creativity and their love for what their passion really is when they have to start compromising or they have to start ticking some boxes in order for it to make money and i'd even credit my oldest brother in a weird way for making me realize how little i wanted to make a career out of music because he's a career musician and he you know plays in orchestras he plays in um you know sort of cl- classical ensembles and i I think I've more often heard him complain about the stuff that he's playing than I've heard him be really excited about the stuff that he's playing. And it's funny because I remember when he first got into it, he told me this story about meeting these older guys that had been doing it for 20, 30 years, and them just being like, oh, another Bach piece or oh, another this. or And he said that he couldn't understand how they got into that point. But I think I kind of saw him become that person at one point. Um, that's interesting. And, and and that's just something I never really want it to be. Like I'd rather make absolutely no money off of my music, but like release music that's a hundred percent me, that I'm making not in order to please anyone. I'd rather release an album like for free on Bandcamp and Spotify and for someone to say, Man, that really inspired me to make music than make an album that I don't really care about that much, but I know will be it be an okay hit and we will sell more copies because anyway if you get really successful playing music you don't like yourself guess what you're gonna tour the world playing shit you don't care about
0: <laughs> yeah it's funny because um you know from a high level perspective there's this interview uh, from apple music with harry styles yeah on his newest album and it's such a it, i mean that guy is his love for music and his desire to make the music that he wants to make his first album complete shock to me when you know from like his you know one direction stuff but Mm -hmm. then he makes this second album which is completely different from the first album but it's it's based on how he feels and, and 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 he wanted to make something that was his and And the music that made him feel like it's like, I don't want to make the music for an audience. And I think at the end of the day, that connects more with the audience than anything else. Cause I, I'm not going to lie. I'm obsessed with this new album. I think the, the, the way he wrote it, the way he like the, it plays into like my music taste a lot. So, um, but it just, it just feels that there is personality to it. And I think that's so important, you know, from an artistic perspective and, and what you were saying, you know, sometimes it's that album that you say, okay, I'm going to put it out there and not make any money that might blow up. And, and, and people will say, well, this is really great. And then also you, you turn out to be, you know, the next rock star in, um, in music, but, um, but I think it's important what you're saying. Uh, I think it has like, for me, photography is the same. If I, if I feel overwhelmed, um, and if I feel, you know, I might just pick up my camera, which I 90% of the time keep on my desk, yeah. um, and just take a couple of photos that might not even be anything I will ever use. It's just disconnecting and putting my eye on the viewfinder and, yeah. you know, and, and seeing the world differently and, and just maybe take a photo of like the cup that's next to me or, or, you know, maybe a, uh, some lighting that's coming through and that's, um, I mean that's just how I, kind of cope. And I tell people like I can't meditate for shit. Like if you put me <laughs> in a medit, I I even went to a Deepak Chopra guided meditation where I met Deepak Chopra in person. Yeah. And I couldn't. Like he was he told me it's like I have never seen anyone so uncomfortable <laughs> in one of my meditation sessions. And it's because I just can't do it. Like it stresses me out to to be mm. that quiet. My brain is constantly working and i think for me music is the one thing that brings my brain to to like a standpoint yeah
1: no i i i definitely feel you on that because like um i've tried meditation and yeah i think i i've often put it like my brain is too loud for me to be that quiet um and i i don't actively dislike meditation it just doesn't do much for me
0: yeah. And in the same way.
1: Like, yeah. Cause like I, um, I, I tried it like for my anxiety a while back where, cause I'd often wake up feeling really anxious. And one thing that meditation did do for me was I'd wake up and I'd wake up a little bit earlier to give myself time for it. And that kind of just made me realize, okay, actually the, the key for me was just waking up a little bit earlier, having a bit more time, not stressing out about everything and going like, Oh, need to put that on. i need to run there. I need to like, just having a bit of time. And then I coupled that with music and I just, I would choose quite carefully what I'd listen to in the morning, something that would get me really fired up and ready for the day. And suddenly just having an extra 15, 20 minutes to just listen to like a few really good songs while getting ready rather than rushing out the door, barely having time to breathe before running to work. Suddenly that just changed everything. And so like uh, yes, meditation, like my attempted meditation got me there, but just having yeah, those extra couple yeah. minutes of music really, really made the difference.
0: Yeah, no, i a hundred percent agree with you on that. Like I to me it's um but it I think I think it, it you know if we if we if we want to say in you know in a you know be specific it is meditation um yeah. uh what we are doing like for example like if i'm walking around the city and i'm taking photos for an hour with music on my headphones my camera in my hand i think that's meditation
1: yeah um, I, I see it I the just, same way
0: i just can't sit down and like close my eyes and you know be quiet and like mm-mm. my if yeah. if i'm that quiet my brain starts to like Spark like if yeah. I did, not in a good way, it's like like short simple like yeah, this is not good
1: yeah, and i I think like for me it's I've found a few different ways of or a few different things or activities that work for me, like people that love meditation say it works for them, and music is one of them, another one um that I've found is, for example, just going out for a walk and talking with my wife, like that's been. It's funny, like my wife and I have been together. Well, this year will be uh, 14 years of us together. So like we've been together since I was 16. Um, but one thing I only realized quite recently, um, like, you know, in the re- recent couple of years is that when I feel that overwhelming sensation or something like that, one of the best things that we can do this might sound like the most obvious thing, but literally it's like going out for a walk and talking rather than talking at home. We always end up in like really deep eye-opening conversations. And especially if we, because if we talk about problems at home versus talking about problems in life, when we're out walking, it just seems to give a different perspective. And I don't know if it's because we both really enjoy being in nature, whether it's just a change of, environment, but like a long walk in nature will somehow always get me to think about my problems differently. And, and I think, you know, to tie in the business perspective to what we've been talking about in terms of creativity, I think this is also why it's so important that if you're going to build a business, that you're building something that you're extraordinarily passionate about, because, you know, people try to sell motivation as this thing. And like, Similar to what you said about like um, going to Deepak Chopra's um, uh, guided, guided meditation. meditation. Yeah, I, um, I saw this great article by Jackie Hermes on LinkedIn where she said she went to this uh, four day like Tony Robbins retreat and she just didn't get it. Um, she ended up leaving halfway through. She was like, it's just like a cult of jumping, shouting people. And I read it and I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel about a lot of like motivational seminars. And I love, I love that it works for some people, but like, to me, I'm, I'm a much bigger believer in the idea that motivation can get you going, but it doesn't keep you going. Like motivation can kick you up the ass, but unless you have the dedication, the work ethic and the passion to keep you going, even when you're not motivated, man, you're going to be shit out of luck. You're going to stop as soon as you don't feel motivated. And then you're just going to look for like inspirational quotes or Jim Rohn clips on YouTube. And I think at least for me, like um, I've, I've seen that with, you know, again, with music, with Syzygy, you know, that I'm working on now. Um, you know, Syzygy hasn't been going for very long, admittedly, but like even just in our first, you know, three months, we went through some real highs, some worries, some like ups and downs, just the startup life. And if we didn't really care about the mission we're on, if we didn't really care about where we're taking this, if it was just we got motivated one day to make money or something, I genuinely think we would have left it behind.
0: Yeah. and I, because,
1: because it's the same thing with everything, really.
0: And I want to use this opportunity to kind of like, you know, um, Give a shout out to what we do you know in my company because I, what you just said something really important here if you didn't care if the values yeah. are in there when I talk to to my clients about you know building their brand or you know rebranding their company, um, core values are at the at the center of, of what I do like um, you can't expect people buy into what you're selling or what you're doing, what your company does, if they can't see the beliefs of the, of the business, um, especially today, um, people care, you know, uh, young people care a lot about, you know, the environment, a lot about, so if, if your messaging is not one that is designed to showcase that, not only are you conscious about the world in general, but that you' are conscious about why you do what you do, and people have to see that like if i'm if i'm gonna see your company and if i'm gonna you know learn about what you do or maybe even you know become a user or 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 you know uh whatever it yeah. is that i'm gonna do to, to be a part of your and it, I have to make sure that I understand why you yeah. do what you do and and that to me that's at the core center of like you know building a brand. I, I I tell people today you can't be Nike. No. Today you don't build branding by by going into you know by saying okay this is what we do because there are way too many. And now you need to like stand out and now you need to connect and you need to build and you need to you know it's an army, you know Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> get your little army of yeah. of people around you.
1: But, but at the same time, I actually think people kind of need to be Nike because what Nike has done is something that I think a lot of people overlook because I don't think I've ever seen an ad from Nike that's about what Nike do. They just, oh. get, fam- they just get famous athletes to basically do what they do. It just happens that they're wearing their brand. Yeah,
0: They no, really I
1: mean. make it about the user.
0: And 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 it's true, but and in, in in the token and in the, in the sense of why I say you can't be Nike, it's just you can't build a brand the way Nike did.
1: No, because yeah, well, they because Nike it's... didn't
0: have the same competition that you're facing today. No. And
1: but but on and, on on the on the flip side, Nike didn't have Instagrammers posting pictures of them in their clothes. So exactly. Instead so they, of you, yeah, they
0: had the power to say, "This is who we are. We are Nike. Yeah. This is you know," and and it was. People needed to uh, kind of like say, okay, they build based on on them and not who the consumer is. Now you have to kind of build your brand on you and what your consumer cares about as well. Um, yeah. And I think, and you, know, and you can see, you know, from Coca-Cola to, to Nike to Adidas to all the big brands out there, you know, Mercedes-Benz, BMW, um, they now see that difference and they make shifts and they make changes and they adapt. But the ones that don't will go.
1: Absolutely. 100%.
0: All right, man. I think this has been an excellent um an excellent episode. Um I've, I really have a lot of fun talking to you today, my um, advice, man. Um, yeah, anything uh, I always uh, I'm trying to implement this this last question um, um into the show. Um what would you say to the young entrepreneur? the 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 kid that's sitting in his room that knows how to code or that has a business idea and feels that you know maybe they can't do it or 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 has way too many naysayers out there um, in his circle saying well you're just a kid you know how do you you know what would be your advice to them?
1: Uh, One of them would be well, I it's kind of multifaceted, but I'd say you know be very careful who you listen to i'm not saying ignore everyone's advice i'm not saying ignore the naysayers i'm saying listen to it compile it and figure out cuz like if if you think about the few people around you that give you advice like if if i'm going to look at i'll I'll just take my family if i'll look at like my aunt that has been in the same job for like 50 years she's telling me not to be an entrepreneur because it's risky versus my cousin who's been a serial entrepreneur and says you know it's risky but and then gives me advice on how to go about it take it for what it is one person is projecting their fear onto you the other one is trying to warn you of legitimate risks and if if you have an idea go for it you know i i think One of the most valuable things that I've learned in terms of my own entrepreneurial ventures is that even if they don't work out, if you know how to document it, if you know how to capture the essence of it and learn from it and position it in a way where you can showcase the experience that you gained from it, there's nothing more valuable in terms of presenting yourself as someone that just goes out and gets what they want and does what they want than showcasing that you have at least attempted an entrepreneurial venture in some way or another, because it just shows that you didn't just do it because there was a paycheck attached to it. You didn't do it because of external pressure. If you truly did it because you believed in the idea, it doesn't really matter if it worked or if it failed. Take what you can to learn from it, build something else and don't be afraid to learn from both your own and other people's failures you'll never live long enough to make all the mistakes yourself.
0: Couldn't have said it better. Um, and then the last question here, um how are you taking care of yourself um mentally and physically today?
1: So, well, physically it's pretty simple. I I think about what I eat. I I'm I'm not on any fad diet or anything. I just I you know, about a year, a year and a half ago, I made a bit of a lifestyle change. I changed what I ate. I um, don't really miss any of the junk food that I removed from my diet. And I just, I feel a lot better, a lot um, more focused little things. Like it. it's funny, uh, you know, people are always trying to find the magic solution, but so much of it is just like, dude, just stay hydrated and eat healthy shit like
0: yeah (laughs) i agree it's
1: not it's not about the keto diet it's not about you know necessarily being vegan or anything specific like just treat your body well um and mentally it's kind of the same like i for example like you know being an entrepreneur um speaking on stage doing a startup like it's really easy to get wrapped up in it and work like 130 hours a week or something but. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I've had insane weeks where I felt like I've barely stopped working. But you can't do that forever. You need to listen to your body and your mind. And when you feel yourself going towards burnout, like stop before it's too late, because you can bounce back from starting to feel it a lot quicker than you can bounce back from actual burnout. And it's, it's kind of again, like your body, your mental state needs time to rest and you won't be as effective if you just push yourself to the limits every single day. You need to leave yourself some leeway. You need to allow yourself to take a break. You need to allow yourself to, you know, whether it's playing video games, playing music, playing board games with your friends, going out, having a drink, whatever it is, as long as you're, as long as it's a bit balanced, like it's, it sounds so simple, but it's a tough thing to maintain. But it's, it's why it's really important as well to surround yourself with people that will call you out on your bullshit when you need to be.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today, man.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, man.